0: Hello, welcome to the HP Lovecraft Book Club. Uh, in this episode, I'll be finishing up my thoughts about the case of Charles Dexter Ward. We've been talking about this uh, story for a while, so it'll be nice, I guess, to 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 wrap up all the loose ends in this story, to give you my overall final thoughts, to give you my uh, overall assessment of it, and and move on to the to the next Lovecraft story. Uh, now, this is really. You know my favorite Lovecraft story of all I guess I haven't read all the revisions But I'm not counting those um, uh, Yeah I think this one is just great And I think it's, it needs to be studied More largely because of its Historical relevance it is so much A historical tale It's uh, it's it's Atlantic in scope It it deals with all of Lovecraft's major themes Such as slavery and race and Atlantic History and New England architecture uh, hist- Like Like uh, just history in general anglo-american relationships witchcraft uh the the other gods play a role in the story the 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 kind of the cultists magic um alchemy you name it 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 shows up in this story it really is the, the something that lovecraft just crammed as much as he could into it's not as dense i think as dream quest of unknown kadath where he's just kind of going wild with his imagination um and if you blink, you're going to miss something kind of interesting. This story, it's a little bit more plotting. It's a little bit more uh, systematic and, and kind of everything gets tied. Well, not everything, but most things get tied up together nicely. All the seeds planted earlier are kind of mature to some degree. So it's, it's a very different story than Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, where it seems Lovecraft was just kind of letting his, his mind take him where he wanted to go. But it's definitely great. And so it's on top of my list uh, for a recommendation. So where we left off last episode, we looked at the first four parts of it, obviously. And um, it kind of ended with uh, the confinement of Charles Dexter Ward after it's revealed that he's just gone insane. Um, And the beginning of Willett and, and to a lesser degree, Mr. Ward, Charles Dexter Ward's father's investigation into Into uh, what's happened to him now the reader if they're paying attention might know that Charles Dexter Ward's dead and that this is Joseph Kerwin Or just the means of his death Aren't really clear yet where the body is there's still some mysteries about that and they're largely wrapped up But you know, it's 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 not surprising people miss it I mean Lovecraft does leave the clues but if you read it casually the first time you might Kind of go along with the investigators In realizing that you know maybe there's an explanation maybe it is madness maybe the changes in his physicality are psychosomatic maybe there's something else going on and that is uh, or those uh, anyways I think the mystery of this makes the story kind of fun and that's one aspect of the story that I rather like Um, so part four of the story it, it kind of is broken up into different like subsections, of course it has seven subsections that are created by Lovecraft. But overall, I'd say the first half of this final chapter really deals with uh, the, 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 the the investigation into Kerwin's home and the catacombs beneath it. Um, then we get the interview with, with Charles Dexter Ward, Joseph Kerwin at the asylum, which then leads uh, Willa to his final kind of connecting together and then his final effort to eradicate Uh, Once and for all the memory of Joseph Kerwin he's helped in this endeavor There's a few loose ends that Lovecraft Really can't have Willett solve So in order to kind of make a complete Victory of the forces of good Over the forces of evil If you will uh, He has to have call on help but it is Really well done I think there's a a Great moment in the middle of this chapter In which we realize that there's Much larger forces at play and and Willett's Going to have an ally of 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 immense power uh, in his back. Who that is 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 something we could debate. It's it's basically a mystery, as the, as the story ends. I don't think Lovecraft had a clear answer for that, but it's uh, it's like Merlin or something comes to help him. It's uh, it's a great moment in the story. I guess Merlin might be as good a guess of any, uh, given the language that he speaks. But anyways, um, so uh, now at the start of this chapter. Ward and Willett are working together, and for Lovecraft to really pull off his trick at the end, which is completely burying Kerwin, he has to limit what Mr. Ward finds out, you know, because it makes sense that he's going to be along with Willett on the investigation and help out, and it makes sense that Willett would enlist Mr. Ward's help. But there comes a certain point in the story when there's things that Ward can't know without figuring out the same thing Willett figures out, which is that... Charles Dexter Ward, this new version of him is actually just Kerwin uh, who took over his role after murdering him. Uh, For that to, for that not to be revealed, right? That part of it to be revealed and for that knowledge to die with Willett or Merlin for that matter, it has to involve kind of phasing Ward out of this final investigation or making sure the knowledge that he has is limited. And I think how Lovecraft does that is very clever. So anyways, as the chapter opens, we get kind of a, a, a summation of all the things that kind of Willett's figured out here about how he, he starts to think that Kerwin has been awakened and that he has a relationship with, with Alan, right? He, he starts to kind of figure this out. Um, you know, quote, quote, good God, was it not just before the vampirism broke out, the rifling of Ezra Whedon's ancient grade and the cries later at Patuxent? Whose mind had planned the vengeance and rediscovered the shunned ear of elder blasphemies, and then the bungalow and the bearded stranger and the gossip and the fear. End quote. However, he does think that that Ward's like in on it. That Ward is like a conspirator with with uh, Kerwin, and that you know maybe he's working as an agent or his descendants, other descendants' agents. There, there's some way that this evil's can can get re- been resurrected to the 20th century, but the exact way it works out is is still a mystery. But he they they hire like Ward and Willett hire a private investigator to look into Mr. Allen and find out like where did this guy come from, what did the local people say. And so that guy's kind of working in the backdrop of, of this part of the story. Now the bulk of this story of this chapter is it's Willett's investigation into the catacombs b- beneath the house of, of of Kerwin. It's been locked up, it's been buried since 18th century but since Kerwin has been revived that's where his lab has been that's where he's kind of been able to continue his his research if you will and can kind of expand his library and he has been very active he didn't stop at all to to rest when there or even to figure out what's going on in the 20th century and this is something Willet ends up kind of snarkily telling Wars like you know you, you didn't you should have worked harder on actually fitting in before you kind of got back to your evil because you know you're easy to figure out Um, So this day, this this going down in the catacombs is one of the highlights of the story. It's uh, a great uh, it's actually kind of scary. It's got some great moments like he runs out of his light so he's in this dark catacombs. Now first, uh, Mr. Ward goes with him but passes out almost immediately. We can't handle it. Fainting, that's a way Lovecraft often uses to get people out of the story. Um, so he's taken back to his car or you know resting and then Willett goes back to dig deeper and deeper into these you know into these tunnels and things and he finds a lot of interesting stuff Uh, this is even before he's looking he finds the laboratory which is really what he's looking for the first thing he finds is a bunch of documents some in Ward's hand but mostly in Kerwin's hand and he's still thinking Ward is playing this role as kind of Kerwin's continuation kind of the evil's been resurrected maybe if not the body of Kerwin itself and that Alan's like an ally we know that he worked with or he's had contact with these people in Transylvania and in Europe so his first he's thinking that maybe there's a uh, you know maybe he can figure out through these documents what's going on in, in Ward's head and so he just kind of takes a bunch of documents and, and steals them essentially and, and you know that's part of it but then he wants to find the laboratory and so he digs goes down into the, the underground deeper and deeper. And his light goes out and it's dark and he hears these moanings and screams and he sees the, like the movement of monsters and things in these in these kind of underground uh, pits and things. And it's really creepy. And it's even creepier when you find out what these things are and how long they've been there. And it's it's, ama- it's amazing. These are actually like Kerwin's failed experiments from like the 18th century. And they've been sitting down there like hungry. For two centuries it's just kind of where he dumps these monsters that he creates But he can't really get rid of and it, it's pretty creepy and frightening actually Because these things could be a threat to, to Willett They're just kind of not able to get at him And it's all dark that adds to kind of the horror of, of the moment But these are the wasted lives I mean this is if you want to kind of get uh, analytical about it These are the slaves and sailors and the people that Kerwin used The, the people who would not be missed the people that he could exploit and use to fine tune his craft the same way America used, misused, enslaved, murdered millions in the quest to kind of build the foundation of America. Right. These wasted lives are part of American history and they're they're part of the story and the legacy of them endures. So the 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 destruction of Kerwin's memory would require the destruction of these crimes, these memories these memories in the forms of these beasts these monsters right and i think if you want to think of this story as an allegory of american history especially of the 18th century i think it's striking that these things live on their fate it's a little bit ambiguous because uh ultimately these tombs are kind of closed off but it's not we're never told explicitly that these things were murdered these things were killed so they might still be down there hungry and and that's how I actually prefer the story. I prefer the story to think about them as enduring, a, a memory that even if covered up will we'll be there and, and you know be there in a very profound and frightening and in a way that we can reflect on them. Maybe, um, maybe in a way they can be dug up again and, and th- those crimes can be dealt with. So he finds that and he eventually has to go back and get, get his get new light, get new power for his light. So for the rest of his little quest, he's got he's got the, the light he needs. But there's a great there's this great moment where it's dark. It it kind of does re- it also reminds me of it, when the kids are in the in the catacombs, the tunnels, the sewers under under the city of Derry, and all they have are like matches and, and their and their wits to, to kinda guide them deeper and deeper into the into the sewers. Um, so eventually he finds the library of Joseph Kerwin. And library has two meanings here. There's actually two meanings of library. One library is the, the books, because we were told before, like, uh, Ward's books, Kerwin's books are mostly destroyed, but Ward had collected a lot of books um, that Kerwin could later use to pick up his research and studies. But most of those books weren't in the new house, the house he, he purchased. So they, they must be down here in the lab. And he, they're there. Um, we also find this spell. That's another thing he finds. It's the dragon's head and dragon's tail spell uh, symbol, right? Um, the, it's got an ascending mode and a descending mode. It's like two parts of a spell and the spell is you know what you're able to use to to r- reduce things to their essential salts and raise things to their essential salts. So this becomes key. This is what Kerwin had mastered in his experiments Uh, Now, Willet. now here's the one, one, there's actually a couple unbelievable things in the story, Uh, you know, there's magic, for instance, but this is one of the the more problematic parts of the story is where Willet's able to master this spell and like just think, you know, he sees it a few times and he says, oh, I've seen this before. So he starts repeating it in his head and he's able to memorize it. Now, Lovecraft makes an effort to make it believable that he kind of can learn this. But it seemed to have taken Kerwin years to learn this stuff. And it, it seems to take war, a significant amount of time and to travel to Europe to learn all this magic. But Will, it's able to kind of learn it just on his, just while digging around this, looking for this laboratory in the catacombs and stuff. But we got the, the two sides. The head of it is... Uh, and the inverse is just the syllabic opposite of, of this inverted uh, syllable by syllable, that's the tail. And one reduces people and one raises people to essential salts, right? So I don't think he knows this yet. He's just kind of learning the spell. And then he finally finds the laboratory. He finally finds the laboratory. Um, but nevertheless, there's this memory of Kerwin's crimes against these working-class people uh, quote the next few rooms he tried were all abandoned or filled only with the crumbling boxes and ominous looking leaden coffins but impressed him deeply with the magnitude of Joseph Kerwin's original operations he thought of the slaves and seamen who had disappeared of the graves which had been violated in every part of the world and of what that final raiding party must have seen and then he decided it was better not to think anymore once a great stone staircase mounted on its right and he deduced that this must have reached to one of Kerwin's out buildings perhaps the famous stone edifice with the high silt-like windows provided the steps he had descended had led from a steep steep roofed farmhouse so this is you know just another reminder of the crimes that he'd been involved in yeah and all these cells were empty now now the monsters he created were kind of reduced into the into these pits Um, so then we finally get to the um, the laboratory Um, after a little bit more digging down there's like a a dissecting room and now of course the whole time Willett is still thinking that Ward is actively the perpetuate perpetuator of these experiments at this point Uh, he doesn't put it together late until later on that this is just that that Ward's dead and and this is just Kerwin continuing his his magic and his investigations Um, but the fact that there's a dissecting room is pretty creepy Course, but finally we get to this laboratory and a secondary library. I want to call it a secondary library because that's what all these little vials are—the vials that hold the essential salts of of creatures, of people. Um, they store the knowledge so they can be revived and interrogated for knowledge. That's the whole reason he's in on it. Now we don't fully know his ultimate goal. It has something to do with the fate of the universe. Now he actually plays with one of these jars, not fully knowing what they are. They got that kind of that bluish, um, pinkish white, bluish powder. They have different, slightly different colors, but he finds that they're, they're, they're not adhesive. So they, they pour it into his hand and he can pour it back into the jar without any residue being left behind. This is kind of important feature of these essential salts because if you don't put it all back in the jar, <laughs> you're missing that's like like this eyeball or something is like some of those salts would you be part of his memories and part of his mind or part of his body and so you need the whole thing for it to work so it, it, it's kind of a, a property of these salts that's essential for just crudel uh, credulity because you know yeah you are know, playing with that kind of dust you're always going to leave some behind right now he also finds like a questioning room which is kind of another creepy part of this like like a torture room but it is in a way because uh it's kind of based on medieval torture quote the room beyond the door was a median size and no furniture save a table a single chair and two groups of curious machines with clamps and wheels which will recognized after a a moment as medieval instruments of torture on one side of the door stood a rack of savage whips above which were some shelves bearing empty rows and shallow pedestals cups of lead shaped like grecian um, kylikes yeah, so he is, you know, he's awakening these people and if they don't tell him what he wants to know, I guess he pulls out these medieval instruments of torture and whips and stuff. Unfortunately, uh, so he didn't get to do that to to Ben Franklin. You know, they, they managed to intercept Ben Franklin's body. But um, creepy stuff here. Now, one of these uh, jars is numbered 118. This is a special one. This is This is one of the people that, Corona was warned about don't raise unless you know how to put them down right so but in any case uh, will it kind of experiments with the spell that he's ma- mastered and he uses it he uses the, the the dragon's head part the part that takes the salts and awakens them into a body uh, he uses this on this jar 118 And it awakens something it awakens a figure and we don't quite know what that is he's awakened something and it's we get like this um this vapor emerging it's kind of a nice moment but the story cuts off without telling us what it was that was being exactly awakened so the the story breaks and we're we see so will seen something he's experienced something and we're not given the full full story of what he's actually experienced um it seems he sort of kind of also wakes up um, with Ward. So he's been taken out, not of his own will, not of his own power. He's been taken out of this catacombs, but he's with Ward. And so they're sitting down and they, they begin to talk about, you know, what's going to happen. And well, first they notice that this, these, the doorways have been destroyed. Um, the whole thing has been kind of destroyed. Even the papers that he took, the Kerwin papers. Everything that's any evidence of Kerwin's been abolished. So I, I've said a lot in this series about how Willet is the the heroic one for doing the job that the people in the 18th century weren't able to do, and that is erasing this past. But, but we realize here he had help, right? Um, this figure, let's call him Merlin, for lack of a better uh, candidate for this, uh, is able to do certain things that... That Willett's maybe physically not able to do like go over to Transylvania and Prague and take care of Kerwin's buddies there. But he also kind of does the complete job of of eradicating everything in the catacombs and all the other bodies and maybe those maybe those those living monsters um, are eradicated as well. I don't know. Um, It's just all covered up right. There's just concrete covering up the panels. So is it covered up or is it really destroyed? I, I guess Lovecraft's meaning here is it's destroyed, but part of me wants that that crime still there, kind of like uh, the ones who walk away from Omelis, right? That boy in the in the basement. You, know, you need that for that memory, in a way. It kind of makes America complete. <laughs> uh, but here's, here's how it's worded, quote, quote, no noisome well, no world of subterranean horrors, no secret library, no Kerwin papers, no nightmare pits of stench and Halloween, no laboratory or shelves or chiseled formula, no. Um, so what are they? Oh yeah, so the first thing they do now is they find a piece of paper. He, uh, Willett finds a piece of paper in his pocket and it's written in minuscule. It's written in kind of Latin minuscule or something. Minuscule is like lowercase. Um, or some kind of language, and, and Willard can't really read it. I think it's kind of a mix of kind of a very, like, late uh, antique Latin or, or something, but it's a, like an obscure kind of variant of it. And he can't read it, so they have to go to the library and dig up other texts and translate it. It takes them all night. It takes them, you know, as, as long as they got. They, it takes them however long it takes to translate this text, this little note, and what it says is, um, Kerwin must be killed. The body must be dissolved in aqua fortis. Nor must anything be retained. Keep silent as best you are able. So this is the same thing that Charles Dexter Ward told him. You got to shoot uh, Allen and dissolve his body in acid. That's exactly the same thing. But he leaves this um, job to them. Now there's still a doubt about the. Who's in this asylum, they still assume it's Ward. So they go to talk to Ward to kind of find out what do you know about Alan. And they go there and and Ward, Alan, or Kerwin, Kerwin's not doing a really good job of hiding who he is. He's just kind of relishing his this moment he ha, you know, he has with Willet, relishing uh, Willet's kind of fear and anxiety over the over those monsters. And they talk about the monsters. And there's a great moment where you know, he, he actually questions this person he thinks is Ward about these creatures and how he, they've been left there for two months without any food. And Kerwin Ward here says, oh, they've been hungry there for 200 years or ever, or ever since they've been left there in the in 1771. Kind of horrifying to think. Uh, but that, that's why I think metaphorically that that those monsters work so well in this story. Now we see the, uh, no, the other thing they talk about is this uh, number 118. And, and when Willett mentions this, that's when Kerwin kind of freaks out because he knows that this, this thing's been awakened and this thing's going to have it out for them. So, it's not, again, it's not clear what Ward did to him. Uh, he got his body somehow and reduced him to essential salts, but he's really someone who has magic, right, obviously. So someone who can match Kerwin or defeat him, it turns out pretty easily, it sounds like. Um, so now, very conveniently, we're told Willett has hired, uh, or after the events of the story, he hired a clipping agency, like the same one used in The Call of Cthulhu, to you know, use it to collect news, you know, days before Google, that's what you had to do. Uh, he hired them to find out about news in Prague and Transylvania, and indeed, we find out about the destruction of of this evil man in Prague and this castle in Transylvania. So these are Hutchinson and Orne, these two evil wizards, basically allies, colleagues of, of Kerwin, who are destroyed and their castles destroyed. So that's the part of the cover up that Willet's not able to do, doesn't have the power to do, and why this Berlin character is so essential to the story. Um, but I would still say Willet is heroic because he deals with. The trauma the horror of of ward and the Kerwin mess he's able to deal with that Um, and so he still comes off very heroically and he still takes it upon his shoulders the burden of this truth uh, and covering up this truth so the ward family doesn't have to bear this the this shame and the, the the full don't have to feel that ward was responsible right that's that's a key part of it but but also ensuring that there's not going to be any kind of return to, of, of Kerwin in the future. Um, so they dig up their private investigator. So Ward and Willett dig up the private investigator and ask, what did you find out about Alan? And basically he's able to piece together stories and you know, for a while Alan and Ward could be seen together and later on it's only Alan by himself. So this helps us date roughly when um, Ward was killed. He's got um, a lot of the rumors of the local community about the tales of vampirism and how the people locally sort of think this was Allen and not Ward even though other people said it was Ward earlier in the tale. Uh, but this helps bring this realization and so the, rela- the relationship between Kerwin, Allen, and Ward all together being just one person rather than, than three people uh, as he originally thought, and then maybe two people later on, now he realizes it's probably just one person. So at this point, he has to go through his job. He finished the job that's been given to him by this wizard. Uh, now, the first job is to identify, locate the body of, of Charles Dexter or the remains of Charles Dexter Ward. And he finds them. Uh, he goes up to the room. He says, I got some stuff to do in the room. He calls it a purgation. Purge, pur, pur, purgation. Basically, he's going to use magic to purify the room, but a lot of this is about finding the body or the remains of Charles Dexter Ward, which have, I think, uh, are they reduced to ash? Did Ward use or did Kerwin use the spell on him or just kind of destroy the body? Obviously, it couldn't have been the physical corpse because that would have stunk up the house, right? Um, But there's some kind of remains there that he's able to, to bring down And he says to the family, I can answer no questions, but I'll say that there are different kinds of magic. I've made a great purgation, and those in this house will sleep better for it, end quote. So uh, the final scene, uh, well, there's a lot that uh, Willett does in the final section of this chapter five, um, where... He kind of goes and buries the body of, of Ward. In fact, this gets, we don't see him doing this, but we get the reports in the news. North End Ghoul's active again. So Willett's being blamed for the things that Kerwin and Ward were doing earlier in the story, right? Digging up bodies and stuff. Um, so, but he's burying Ward in a, in a certain uh, grave site. There's a couple couple scenes here. So he's kind of burying stuff and cleaning up stuff and and, and, and making sure things won't be, um, you know, discovered by others. Um, then the second thing he does is he writes a letter to Mr. Ward. And he basically says, Ward's going to escape from the asylum. And after he escapes from the asylum, he's not coming back. He's too far gone. And a little bit later in a year or so, and the reason for this is because he doesn't want any association made between the disappearance of, of Ward and any other events that might lead people to ask questions. He says, sometime later, maybe in a year or two, you can have your kind of memorial service for Charles Dexter Ward, because he's gone, he's not coming back. He kind of tells him he's dead, but doesn't tell him the whole story, really what happened, because it's a cover up, right? He's trying to um, make sure that this is li- This door is locked forever. Um, so he says, yeah, that's it, that's all. Quote, Charles will have escaped in a year from now you can put up his stone. Do not question me tomorrow and believe that the honor of your ancient family remains untainted now as it has been at all times in the past. End quote. So we're told very clearly here that his goal here is a cover-up. His goal is to eradicate all memory of the past to do what the people in the 18th century were not able to do in their raid on the Kerwin Manor. And that's why I think this is the ultimate story about forgetting. It's the one where you have the most systematic effort by a character to ignore the past. In other stories, they try and they fail, maybe. Or usually, what happens is someone's digging around, and and they keep digging, and eventually they find something horrible, horrifying, and they should have forgotten, or they should have, someone earlier should have destroyed those books or destroyed that knowledge. Um, in this case, we actually see a successful pur- purgation, purgation, as as he calls it earlier in the in this chapter Um, so then the final scene is just him confronting uh, Kerwin announcing that I know you're Kerwin saying I have the magic to defeat you and he does he just casts he does the spell uh, which reduces him to the essential salts that's it that's the end of the story Joseph Kerwin ends the tale, quote, Light, scattered on the floor as a thin coating of fine bluish gray dust. I presume that Willett is going to put that stuff in acid, not leave it behind. Um, that probably goes without saying. But yeah, Kerwin is is done. And that's the end of, that's exactly how the story ends. So um, overall, uh, obviously it's, it's, it's a great story. I think it works on... Uh, It deals with so many of his themes expertly. I think it's a. it probably could have been fine-tuned if he had reworked it for publication. Uh, He may have changed a few things, but I think it holds up. I think it is... I don't know what editing went in when Weird Tales finally published this a few years after his death, Lovecraft's death, but it seems it's pretty much as Lovecraft wrote it, and I think it holds up. I think it's a very, very complete story, almost everything fits in the story. There's those little mysteries like who's 118, uh, like that, what was the vampirism really about? There's a few little question marks here and there, but overall, I think everything really works well in this, this story. And it's a story you can come back to again and again for, for new details and new meaning and, and, and little great moments. It's a great, it's like a love letter to Providence in some ways. It's, when you compare it to what Lovecraft was writing at this time about New England history, you see his deep awareness and affection for New England history, but also his realization of the horrors that lay at the bottom of that history. And I think he does a really good job of unlocking all that. So, um, overall, a great story. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking about it, a lot of fun dissecting it, going through the play-by-play, but also kind of commenting on what I think are the most important themes of this of this story but there's probably other ways to read this tale so that's why I need you to comment and, and talk to me give me your thoughts about this and um, I love to hear from you now in the meantime I'm going to be preparing my thoughts about uh, the final two stories in this series of podcasts on Lovecraft's uh, late 20 stories it's the color out of space and the Dunwich Horror we won't be done with stories though we'll still have the revisions to do but Three or four more episodes left with uh, these Lovecraft stories. Then we're going to jump into a handful of revisions and then back to letters, I think. Um, so, wow, it seems like I just gave up on the letters not that long ago. But now I'm going to be back into uh, recording on, on the letters. So, yeah. Um, yeah, got a lot of work to, uh, ahead of me, uh, a lot of reading ahead of me, but it's good stuff. I love the Colorado Space and I love the Dunwich Horror as mu- almost as much as I love this story. So uh, I'll get to work on that. Um, and as always, thanks for your time and thanks for uh, your, your listening. I'll see you when I return with uh, my episode on the Colorado Space. Maybe two episodes. So see how it goes. I'll See you then.